Hawaii Volunteer State. It's time to join the nation with Chris Lowe of ESPN.com and Austin Price of Rivals and Volquest.com. Presented by Mortgage Investors Group. Breaking news and giving expert analysis. For the next hour, Chris and Austin will take your calls on college athletics around the SEC and the nation. College football, basketball, special guests, recruiting, and more. The The nation. nation. Hosted on location by Texas Roadhouse. Sponsored by Mortgage Investors Group. Celebrating 30 years and the number one lender in the state of Tennessee. Learn more at MIGonline.com. By Texas Roadhouse. Your home for legendary food and legendary service. 12 area East Tennessee restaurants. By Marathon. Want to get a full tank of freedom? Stop by your neighborhood Marathon station. Marathon. Fueling the American spirit. By Blue Bunny Ice Cream. Available in Neyland Stadium and Thompson Bowling Arena. By Tennessee LASIK Associates. Proud supporter of the Tennessee Volunteers. See the difference with Tennessee LASIK. And by Coors Light. The world's most refreshing beer. Coors Light. Made to chill. Celebrate responsibly. Distributed across the Volunteer State by Cherokee Distributing. The Nation is also brought to you by... Well, we hope it's been a great Sunday afternoon, now evening for you across the great state of Tennessee or wherever you might be listening tonight. I'm Chris Lowe with Austin Price, and this is The Nation. A nation coming at you after a Vols win, Austin Price, a 45 nothing shellacking. You like that word. I told you last week, Lowe, if they don't win, we're not having a show. Yeah. We'll just have tone for 60 well, minutes. You, well, you really went out on the limb there. <laughs> the Vols beating Chattanooga, you know, and that's, after their first two weeks, any win – you yeah, know, man, it's like you know, it's, equated, it's good. I equated it after the after the game. I said, you know, it's like you know, you 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 went out and shot even par from the from just the regular white tees, and you, you know, this week you go back to the tips in, when you enter SEC play. But look, at, at this point, a win's a win, just like even par is even par, no matter where you played from. After that zero and two start, so I mean, you know, Tennessee. Did some different things. They did some good things. They've still got a lot of stuff to try to correct and, and work on. But, you know, they did get a win. We'll see if they can uh, find the magic this week against the Florida team that, much like the rest of the SEC East, is, you know, trying to figure out where they're going to go at quarterback and, and, and figure out, you know, a game plan with their new quarterback, uh, Kyle Trask. Yeah, let me, and let me, it's hard to assess because of who they played. And, and clearly, Chattanooga just didn't have the personnel to play with Tennessee. But, what did you like most about what you saw Saturday? Just some di- the lineup changes up front. I liked the fact that they moved Darnell right to guard. You know, I, I thought you know Darnell really, while he's always been a tackle his entire life, he you know he played a little, you know a little bit of guard, um, you know, in the Under Armour All American game down in Orlando in January, and I thought he was really good there. I, you know, he's a tackle, but he's his body's got enough girth to it that. You easily can throw him inside, and he can have, you know, some success. And uh, 
you know, then, you know, the real, to me, the, the interesting move was moving Karon Calvert to, from guard to tackle, you know, when he's only practiced there maybe, you know, two to three practices and, and, and putting him out there on the edge. And I know Jeremy Pruitt said after the game, you know, it's easier to go from guard to tackle than just tackle to guard. But, you know, I guess to each his own because I've heard other coaches say the opposite. You know, it was a lot easier to play Trey Smith at guard his freshman year than it would have been if he had put him out on the edge at tackle. So, um, you know, point being is, is they made some, you know, kind of, you know, just kind of figuring out type moves. And, uh, you know, I thought the offensive line, you know, was not perfect by no stretch. But I think when you're just trying to find a combination that works that maybe you can, you know, get behind your pads and get north-south and make some plays in the run game, it is a combination that at least is worth looking at going forward. The nation is presented across the state of Tennessee each week by our friends at Mortgage Investors Group, celebrating their 30th anniversary serving Tennesseans. Have you heard of MIG's Lock, Shop, and Save program? You can lock in your rate for 90 days while you shop for a home, and once you find the one, you get the lowest rate available. Mortgage Investors Group Lock, Shop, and Save program is available for conventional FHA and VA loan types, no contract required, no upfront fees, and you can switch to any other program once your property is identified. Call us for your worry-free solution. Lock, shop, and save today. Mortgage Investor Group has real offices with real people, and here's the important thing, AP, right here in Tennessee. Just checked out the uh, the Vegas page here. What do you think the Gators are favored by? Have you looked? Have you cheated and already looked? I've not looked. I've not, I have right. no idea. Let's. Uh, I, want, I want to hear your, your answer. You know, go, put you on the spot. I'm going to go six and a half. Ooh, way off. Way low. 14. Wow. Gators about 14. Both teams playing, well. I just thought Gators the change in quarterback well, would cause them to lose a touchdown. I mean, that's why I went one touchdown. I was going to say Gators coming off a win where they played a team in Kentucky playing with its, without its starting quarterback uh, at Wildcats and winning a game where they really looked like the, Kentucky was going to win that game, and they pulled out there at the end. But they're playing Kyle Trask. I think in talking to some people in that program, around that program today, they may end up playing two quarterbacks. They play Emory Jones as well. Right. The rest of the way. Not just against Tennessee, but the rest of the way. Kyle Trask and Emory Jones. We're going to catch up with Pat Dooley in the second segment. You will certainly want to hang around for that. Pat's the longtime columnist there at the Gainesville Sun. Knows that program like the back of his hand. He was at the game Saturday. Uh, I know Trask's one of those guys. And I thought when watching the – the, the bit I did that Mullen did a nice job of calling the game for Trask. He's a more, he's a safer passer than Felipe Franks was. A guy that um, you can make the throws, but not as athletic and not able to get out of trouble. So a lot of that goes back to Florida's offensive front. They got to do a nice job protecting him. If I'm Tennessee, and bring, Jer- the, bring the house. Jeremy Pruitt hasn't called me to ask. I want to point that out. But boy, I'm really, I'm really coming. He called you. He called I'm, me. I'm coming after him. I'm coming after him. I'm taking my chances because I think. Trask the kind of quarterback, if you sit back in a zone and you wait for him to make mistakes or overthrow guys or, or not get the ball to the people he needs to get, he's probably going to pick you apart. So I think I'm Tennessee. I come after him, try to force him into some stuff. Granted, it's in the swamp, so that makes it a lot different uh, defensively. But he's a, he's not as athletic and can't get out of trouble or and escape as, the way that Whereas Emory Jones is a lot more athletic. Absolutely. But is not near the passer that Trask is. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. I mean, a couple of years ago, Tennessee fans thought, oh, yeah, Florida's going to go to a backup quarterback, Treon Harris. <laughs> Treon still beats Tennessee. So, I mean, like, you know, I'll, I'll say this. The one thing Tennessee's got going for them going into this game is the fact that nobody's giving them a shot. 
you know. I mean, they, they, everybody thinks they're going to, you know, go to one and three on the season. They're going to lose. Um, you know, sometimes you play best when your back's against the wall. And I'm not saying Tennessee's going to win the football game. But, you know, Florida by no means, especially at noon, because, you know, let's face it, the swamp's pretty good at night. The swamp at noon, not near the atmosphere like it is at 7 o'clock. So, um, you know, Tennessee, if they could get in there and get off to a good start in the first half, you know, may hang around the chicken coop and have a chance to steal one. So how old were you, AP, the last time the Vols won at the Swamp? Which was 2003. 2003. Uh, oh, the, James, the James Banks game. I always remember the Hail Mary right before the half, and the ball's batted, and he catches it. Yeah. I was 20. 20 years old. Young, college student here at University of Tennessee. Were you in games before the game? I was. No, that was one of the last games I missed. Yeah, so that was, uh, you're right, 2003. In fact, Tennessee, that was a stretch, believe it or not. Sort of seems like the Twilight Zone saying this. The Tennessee won back-to-back games in the Swamp. Remember they yeah, won, there two, and won there in 2001, that epic game where Travis Stevens ran wild and then came back two years later in 03 and won 24-10. Again, that was a game that Tennessee hadn't done much of anything offensively. Right before half, they throw a Hail Mary and uh, Casey Clawson. And James Banks comes up with in the back of the end zone, and Tennessee goes on to really sort of control the game running the football in the second half. Jabari Davis. The J train with a big game in that game, as I remember. Yeah, he he scored you know multiple touchdowns uh, at the swamp in his career, and uh, you know Tennessee did have a nice little run there against Florida. If you go back to to '98, you know had a real shot in '99. 2000 was obviously the Jabbar Gaffney game. They won in 01, uh, lost 02, should have won 03, or they did win 03 and 04. And then of course, who can forget the uh, the uh, infamous Britton Colquitt fake punt against Urban Meyer in 2005. <laughs> <laughs> Urban's first year there at Florida. Yes. Gators have won 13 in the last 14 in this series. I'm sure Tennessee fans don't need to be reminded, probably don't want to be reminded of that little nugget. But this is just not for a game, and, and I, I know I date myself when I talk about this, and, of course, Tennessee didn't beat them a lot when Florida was there either. There were some great Florida teams. Both those teams, when they played – Pretty much every year in the 90s were top five teams. Uh, but for a rivalry that really that third week in September for the longest time was that CBS national game on 330. Of course, the game this Saturday at noon. Yeah. But for the longest time, a game that was viewed as probably one of the biggest the, the game, games. The game of the year in the conference. One of the biggest games in, in September, the country. In September. Certainly the first month of the season. You go back and you look at it, just how much – Florida has dominated this series, and it's it's uncanny. For someone who has not been around this series, or sort, let's say someone drops in from Mars. Oh, from ninety five to two thousand, let's say four, it was the game of the com- the game of the year in the conference. Right, Th- there was no other game bigger because both teams were the two best programs. Correct, in in the whole league, much less the East. So yeah, but, and then it kind of started to shift as Nick got to Alabama. You know, Tennessee but even in ninety two, when when you had the, the expansion, the split. The first year they played, because Tennessee beat them uh, in, in the, Knoxville. In, beat them in the rain. Most Phillips game. Beat them badly. Most. I love. I love most Phillips. We got to Mo's. Mo's, Mo's get Mo's on the game. We, 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 we can get him on anytime you want to. Mo, Mo's is coaching at Cane Ridge, and uh, they're having a really good year there. Uh, Coach Eddie Woods, and 
know, they're a real chance. They have a real chance to uh, compete and possibly win a state title in 6A. But Mose is uh, an integral part of that staff there at Cane Ridge, so making an impact on the youth of today. Mose Phillips still with the the, the, the best and biggest play, and still the best and t- most interesting, play, most exciting play in Tennessee history that nobody remembers. At, at South, South Carolina because they lost. And a great was, John Ward call. Which, which was essentially the end of, of John Majors as head football coach. But here's the perspe- perspective. 92, the first year of the split in conference expansion. Tennessee wins, as you said, the most Phillips game against Florida. Since that win in 92, Tennessee has won exactly five times against the Gators. Five more times since then. And, again, for a, for a game, for a, a series, a rivalry that has meant or at one point meant as much to college football. It's still, if you tried to explain that to somebody that just walked in this series for yeah. Tennessee, they look at you with, you know, probably like you had four heads. And it goes, Florida's just dominated this, this series so much. And even you go back to Tennessee's last win, you know, Butch Jones in 2016. Um, you know, that's that broke what eleven game losing streak for Tennessee. Yeah, 04 to sixteen, yeah. So we'll see. And you're right, Tennessee not giving uh early spread. Gators by fourteen. Nobody really giving Tennessee a chance. And I think if you go into this game, you know, if if you think and you know that's something that the players and leaders on that team, Tennessee team will be talking about. Uh you certainly would rather go in on that end of the spectrum than everybody thinking you're gonna go in and just blow them out. And uh, we'll see. That's a tough place to play. It'll be hot. When's it not hot? At the swamp in September. It, it'll be hot. But again, though, the the crowd at noon is never like the crowd itself. No, you're right. Difference. And and and, and I'm, I'm not just talking about in, in terms of noise decibel. I'm talking about just in terms of bodies. I mean, like they are a slow arriving crowd on noon games. So if you can get in there and establish yourself in the football game, and just hang around. You never know. I always thought those 3.30 games were the worst for the visitor because it's right in the middle of the day. Yeah, it's the hottest part of the hottest day. Hottest part. Fans have time to uh, to recover from the night before and get in the stadium. I still contend. People always ask me. You get this question I know all the time. What's the loudest you've ever heard of stadium? There, there are two or three that come to mind for me. I think one, for Tennessee wins, it was when they beat Florida and the field goal. Oh, four. Was, was, no, was no, no, was no good in, in 98. Okay, okay, yeah. Colin Scooper. Arkansas in 98 after Billy Ratliff recovered the yeah. fumble, Tennessee. But th- those two. NFL, the Panthers-Cowboys playoff game, which would have been 95 or, no, 96, when that was still a Cowboys team with Michael Irvin and Emmett Smith. The Carolina Stadium that night was rocking. Um, but the other one was the Swamp in 97 when Peyton throws the interception and Tony George from Cincinnati takes it to the house. That place was electric. I've never, I don't know if I've ever heard a college stadium that loud. And it was about 106 degrees. Those, just off the top of my head, those are some of the loudest stadiums I've ever heard. But that, that year, 97, Peyton's last year, when I think both teams were, what, one and two or one and three? That's about as loud as I've ever heard a stadium. I tell you what, let's go ahead and take an early break, our first break here on The Nation. We're going to catch up with Pat Dooley, longtime Gainesville Sun columnist, going to come on and talk about the Gators, talk about this matchup. I want to talk to Pat, too, something you brought up, because Pat's covered the SEC for 40 years, just how top-heavy this league has become, AP. I mean, you've got three or four really good teams, teams I think could probably win just about any conference. Then and, you and got, the, and then after that, there's you seven got, or eight teams that could finish in the next, yeah, the next team. You've you got a bunch of medium 
to below average teams. And I don't know that I've ever seen in all the years I've been covering this league. Because remember the old saying used to be the SEC top to bottom? It ain't top to bottom anymore. It's just the top because the mid to the bottom is not very good. Now, you say, I know everybody's going to say, what about the ACC? The ACC is on a, di- on a different planet. They're so bad outside of Clemson. That is a bad conference. We're going to talk to Pat about that. So bad that they have to play each other out of the conference. Oh. We're going to talk to Pat about that. We're going to talk to him about this game, what Trask brings, sort of his, his view of Trask. He was in Lexington for the game last night. But we'll catch up with Pat on the other side. You're listening to The Nation. He's Austin Price. I'm Chris Lowe. We'll be back from the Texas Roadhouse in just one minute. Hey, I love Sunday nights. It means I get to hang out with my main man, AP, but it also means I get to come and eat a fine meal and hang out with our good friends here at Texas Roadhouse, your home for legendary food and legendary service, 12 area East Tennessee restaurants. Bring in the whole family to enjoy kids' night at Texas Roadhouse. Visit TexasRoadhouse.com to find out the details about your favorite location. Texas Roadhouse is your home for hand-cut steaks, fall-off-the-bone ribs, made-from-scratch sides and dressings, fresh-baked bread, ice-cold beer, and legendary margaritas. When Chrissy Ray and Chuck Tunkin founded Mortgage Investors Group in 1989, the idea was simple. Help people realize the American dream. 29 years and 115,000 clients later, Mortgage Investors Group is the number one lender in Tennessee. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to do your mortgage, but it does take a promise. At MIG, it is their joy to keep promises. Go to MIGonline.com and let them get started on your American dream today. MIG is an equal housing lender. Mortgage License 109111. When it comes to the Big Orange, you want the score to be ahead at the end of the game. The same is true in flooring. That's why you want to trust Frazier's Carpet One. Whether it's carpet, hardwood, luxury vinyl tile, or more. With Frazier's, the score will always be ahead and in your favor. So give us a call at 546-4850. Everything for the floor, from the score you trust more, Frazier's. Right now, you can get five cents off every gallon of fuel every day. That's five cents off every gallon with Make It Count Rewards from Marathon. Plus, you can earn points for additional savings on fuel, airfare, hotels, and more. It's quick and easy to join. Just visit makeitcount.com slash radio or download the free app. So start saving today with Make It Count from Marathon. Offer valid only at participating Marathon locations. Marathon, fueling the American spirit. The world's most refreshing beer is now available at College Football's Best Stadium. This season, enjoy Rocky Mountain Cold Coors Light on Rocky Top, now inside Neyland Stadium. So when the action on Shields Watkins Field heats up, Coors Light is there to cool things down because it's made to chill. This fall at Neyland Stadium, grab the beer that supports the balls. Ice cold Coors Light. Celebrate responsibly. 21 means 21. Distributed across Big Orange Country by Cherokee Distributing. Proud sponsor of UT Athletics. This is The Nation, presented by Mortgage Investors Group and hosted by Texas Roadhouse. Now, back to Chris and Austin. All right, welcome back into The Nation. Chris Lowe and Austin Price want to welcome in our next guest. I tell you, one of my favorite people for a couple reasons. I'm talking about Pat Dooley of the Gainesville Sun. He does a great job. He's a good friend. But here's the best part about it, AP. I know when I walk into a press box and Pat's going to be there, there's going to be at least one person there older than me. What says you, Pat Dooley? <laughs> Thank you very much. Hey, 
after the after four hours on a tarmac this weekend, I I do feel uh, even older. I think I added an extra year. But the good thing, though, Pat, is when when we come down there or when we hang out with with our buddy, the HBC head ball coach, we know he's going to be older than both of us. Okay, Pat Dooley. Yeah, he is. All right, Pat Dooley's here. Yeah, it's so funny to. Uh, you know, he called me a note in the airport today to talk about the game and talk about Washington State, which is where, where he was, uh, to see his son coach and raving about Mike Leach. And we talked about a lot of things. But, uh, yeah, it's a good, it's a good, this is a good uh, little trivia thing for you there, Chrissy, that uh, uh, this will be the first quarterback, starting quarterback at Florida wearing number 11 since Steve Spurk played. How about that? Well, I, guarantee you, I guarantee you he's reminded you that about 20 times. Well, Pat, the he, biggest he thing I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest thing I want to know, Pat, is I'm yet, you know, I've been to Kentucky a million times over the years. I'm yet to ever see the sunshine in Lexington. Did you see the sun in Lexington yesterday? Uh, yeah, I tell you what, it was a beautiful day yesterday. Uh, I, I enjoyed it there. Uh, that, and that's a nice stadium, and they have a great atmosphere. I was talking to some Gator fans after the game, and they said, man, that, that was a college football atmosphere that that wasn't always there in Lexington. You know, let's face it. I, I think they've done a great job of what they've been able to do there. Uh, they just can't seem to get over that hump, you know, and, and especially against Florida. You know, they, yeah. they've lost. I know they beat them last year, but they've lost 31 out of, or 32 out of 33 to Florida, and, and that was another one of those games where they, they snatched the feet from the jaws of victory. I don't know how. I don't know how it keeps happening to them, but it just keeps happening. Yeah, so, sound, sort of sounds like another series that we're going to see play out on uh, this Saturday, Pat Dooley. Let me ask you this. Kyle Trask is, you know, he's different than Felipe Franks. Maybe a, as somebody there close to the program said, maybe a safer passer can't escape and get out of trouble the way Franks not as athletic. But I thought Dan called a good game with him at quarterback. And I think we're probably, and I want your input on this, I think we're probably going to see Emory Jones as well. Don't you think so? You know, I think what they'll, they may end up doing is going to kind of that leak Tebow uh, when Tebow was a freshman. That that whole philosophy that, that Dan did back then where you bring in, um, you know, uh, Emory Jones the way you used to bring in Tebow and have not just have him run a play, but have him run a series of plays, maybe a possession here and there, and just to kind of change things up. And, and especially – you know, they've got this game, and then they've got Towson next week. And then, then, then it gets serious, obviously. You've got, you got Auburn, LSU, South Carolina, and Georgia in consecutive weeks. So, uh, although it's a bye week in there. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that you're going to see definitely both of them. I don't, I don't think they want to really run the ball a lot with Kyle Trask. I know he had the game-winning rushing touchdown, and it was a great play call. But I don't think they're going to run it a lot with him. And, and, uh, and also, they don't want to. You know, uh, risk the injury there. Um, so, I, 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 yeah, I think you're definitely going to see some Emory Jones. Emory Jones. Pat, it's Austin. Just how, how much have you kind of got to watch Tennessee early in the season? And you know, I don't know what you got to how much you got to catch yesterday against uh, that juggernaut uh, from Chattanooga. But what 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 have what what have you seen that maybe you think can give Florida any kind of issues on either side of the ball? Well, you know, I, I thought you were going to talk about the juggernaut uh, in Atlanta, that Georgia State team that, again, had another great performance this week. Uh, that still is a, a mind-boggling because Georgia State's terrible. And, 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 and for them to get pushed around by them. Uh, but, yeah, look, they've got 
quality receivers. And here's the thing. We'll, it, a lot will depend on C.J. Henderson's health. I think he'll be ready to go this week, but you never know with a sprained ankle. And Marco Wilson, uh, who was an all-SEC guy uh, two years ago and then, of course, tore his ACL in the second game last year, really doesn't look very good this year. I don't know if it's uh, that he's uh, trying to be conservative and he doesn't want to go too far. Nothing seems to be going right. The only thing he's done well is talk trash. So uh, <laughs> those are your two corners. And if, if, if CJ's there, it makes Marco better. And uh, they're playing a lot of young guys back there. So that's you, you guys know that, that that is a strength, I think, of Tennessee. They're talented, big, tall, wide receivers. And, and that's what hurt Florida a little bit against Kentucky as well, is they had got to get ahead of Freaking basketball player out there catching touchdown passes. Pat, Pat, Florida's offensive line's not very good. Tennessee's defensive line is nope. equally as bad. I mean, is this kind of like, uh, you know, Keystone Cops on, on Saturday with, you know, a bad rushing or a bad juggernaut up front against a, a, a worse juggernaut up front defensively? Yeah, you know, um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, this offensive line at Florida just – they have not been able to run the ball all year. And the stats will tell you that they have because they, they piled up a ton of yards against Tennessee Martin late in the game when, it, when Tennessee Martin was, you know, kind of in a give-up mode and tired. And then they obviously had the 76-yard run by Josh Hammond on the, on the, on the uh, jet sweep. Um, but, the, yeah, we watch the games. If you watch every play of every game like I have with Florida – they don't run the ball, and and Michael Pirine has done almost nothing running the ball, and he was really good last year. Um, they just struggle, and, and it's you, you wonder if they're going to ever kind of come around like last year's team when they played Kentucky in the second week of the year. The the, the theme was that Florida got dominated on both lines of the scrimmage. Who would have thought that would ever happen against a, a Kentucky team? And it happened again last night. Um, and that, but that offensive line got better as the season went on. And by the end of the year, they were pretty good. And then they lose four of them to the NFL, not to the NFL, but four starters. And you're like, oh, how are they going to replace them? Well, it's kind of the same thing. Will they be able to work some magic with them again and make them better down the road when they're playing the Auburns and the Georgias and teams like that is going to be the interesting part of it. But right now, no, they're not very good. Pat, I guess between us, and this is an, another way for me to stick it at you for being a little bit older than me, I guess between us we got, what, about 40 years in covering the SEC or, or 70. 60 or 70, um, have you ever seen the conference this top-heavy? Well, you know, I would go back to the days of, of the great Florida-Tennessee rivalry when it was great. I mean, it's not even a rivalry anymore. But, but Chris, I mean, that was the game of the year. It was the third week of the, weekend of the season. Winner was probably going to win the whole conference or, or, and certainly was going to win the division. And you, there was nobody else you thought about. You didn't even you didn't even think anybody else had a chance to win the division. And whoever they brought in from the other side, and eventually was Alabama, was Stallings was were, was really good. Mm-hmm. But even they had some off seasons, off you know, like Arkansas got in there in '95, I guess it was. Uh, but but mostly it was Alabama. So you really had three teams, and one of those three teams you expected to be there, and and uh, or two of them. Um, but I don't think in terms of national championship potential teams, you know, this looks like an unbelievable uh, chance for the SEC to get two in. 
because, I mean, Alabama's really good, as we know. Mm-hmm. Um, LSU has finally figured out how to run an offense. And, uh, you know, if Bo Nix can just manage the game, he's not he, – you know, he's a freshman. He hasn't been able to do a whole lot except win that one game. But uh, other than that, he hasn't played real well. Uh, and then, of course, Georgia, which, which is a, a dynamic team. I mean, I think Georgia's going to have a have probably the easiest time getting to Atlanta of, of any team. But, uh, you know, the challengers are supposed to be Florida, which now has lost their starting quarterback. Uh, Missouri, which lost to a mediocre Wyoming team to start the season. Uh, I don't know where else the challenge is going to come from for them. But in the other side, you got and, – and look, Texas A&M's a pretty good team. But they that, that just tells you, Texas A&M's a really solid football team. But they're not in the class of Alabama and LSU right no. now. No, I saw A&M. I was at Clemson uh, two weeks ago. And they're solid. They played well up front. Mond had a terrible game throwing, just missed so many throws that they never really were much of a right. threat to beat Clemson. But, no, we're going to let you cut out of here, Pat Dooley. I don't know if you're down there in the, uh, the the sun in front of Florida. You may have to go take a dip in the pool tonight. Maybe get nine holes of golf in. I've seen you hit the golf ball. So maybe you can get the yeah, head ball coach yeah. out there. I, I actually uh, thought about – Stopping on the way in to play play nine holes, but uh, it started to rain. So. Just do me this favor. I'm gonna, I'm, go ahead. I'm just going to take it easy tonight. I am so tired. This was a long. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because I am, as you pointed out many times, old, <laughs> or if it's just that uh, <laughs> if it's just that you know, sometimes these trips are just hard to get to and to and from. Well, we appreciate your time, my friend. It's always good catching up, and uh, you tell the ambassador. We said hello, and uh, and we will we'll catch up again soon. Okay, all right, ambassador. <laughs> all right, Pat. That's Pat Dooley, the Gainesville son, longtime columnist, does a terrific job and knows that program inside and out. Spending some time with us on the nation, we'll let you know that powered by the T. It's the theme for the official 2019 Tennessee football <clears throat> fan shirt. It's on sale now, so get geared up for game day and pick up a powered by the T shirt at Vol Shops on campus or other participating retailers like Alumni Hall. Hound Dogs, Food City, or Cracker Barrel Old Country Stores. We'll take our second break here on The Nation, and we'll be back at the Texas Roadhouse in just a couple. The annual Beef Sweet Steaks promotion is currently underway thanks to our friends at the Tennessee Beef Industry Council and Food City. Now through October 14th, anyone who purchases a fresh selection of beef with their Food City Value Card automatically becomes qualified to win two tickets to the Tennessee-South Carolina game. That's the Beef Sweep Steaks promotion only at Food City. This is Dr. Colby Stewart with Tennessee LASIK. It's been a privilege to partner with the Vols for over a decade. Tennessee LASIK has helped thousands improve their vision, including VFL greats Rajon Neal and Will Overstreet. Are you tired of wearing glasses or contact lenses? Visit tnlasik.com or call 966-9182 to schedule your free consultation today. Tennessee LASIK wants you to see the Vols in 2020. 
Mortgage Investors Group is the number one residential mortgage lender in the state because they offer superior customer service and their mortgage professionals take pride in finding solutions personalized for you. As your home team lender, the local loan officers at MIG are experts in the market. Whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance, Mortgage Investors Group offers a winning game plan. To get pre-qualified or for information about our locations across Tennessee, visit MIGonline.com. Equal housing lender, license 109111. It takes talent and grit to win a sports championship, and the same is true in flooring. With our master installers and flooring experts, Frazier's brings the best team to your floor. Call us at 546-4850 to win the new floor championship. Everything for the floor, from the team you trust more, Frazier's. The world's most interesting beer is now available this season at Neyland Stadium, the home of the vaults. Enjoy the excitement of Dos Equis Cerveza at your watch party tailgate and now at University of Tennessee home football games. Dos Equis is the official beer sponsor of the college football playoffs, so it's the perfect beer for fall Saturdays in Big Orange Country. Brewed since 1897, it's all about tradition, just like college football. So keep it interessante at Neyland with Dos Equis. Please enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Distributed across Big Orange Country by Cherokee Distributing, proud supporter of UT Athletics. You're listening to The Nation with Chris Lowe of ESPN.com and Austin Price of ValQuest.com, presented by Mortgage Investors Group. All right, welcome back into The Nation. We, pre- we always appreciate you spending part of your Sunday evenings with us. Love doing this show. Love being here at Texas Roadhouse. Big crowd is always here at the Knoxville Center, Texas Roadhouse, and taking care of Austin. Austin's already down to what kind of steaks you have tonight there? And a filet. A filet. Had a filet and a big potato. I hear you, man. Well, it went. Uh, went I, got, I gotta eat. Must I gotta be eat tasty. All, I gotta eat it. Well, I, you know, I, as anyone knows that knows me knows I inhale my food. But I had to eat. I had to eat quick because after the show, as you know, it literally like as soon as you say goodbye and we you know get off the air, I walk drive straight from here to WVLT in Knoxville and get ready for the locker room. So it's a thrill gotta, a minute. Got to do it. Bless. God rest his soul. And I miss him every day. Every time I hear the locker room, I gotta say it. The locker room. Haywood Harris. Gus Manning. Now patrolled by Bud Ford. I'm working on what we talked about last week. I'm working on it behind the scenes and getting somehow rekindled the Bud stat of the week. For homecoming. Maybe get those. Remember those big glasses Bud used to have, too? Maybe get him to wear some of those. Oh, my. <laughs> the style, it's sort of a nostalgic type of night. I agree, man. I mean, I think those kind of things are fun for people. One time a year, you do them. All right, I want, I want to pick up on what Pat was talking about last segment. You know, as it, it's, it's disappointing <coughs> as Tennessee's start has been, um, you, you, that BYU game looks a little bit different. BYU beat if USC. You, if you, literally, if, if, you, you, if, if you, you beat just Georgia, State, Georgia State and you're 2-1, and one, then there's not this and, and, and the, the terrible BYU, unrest. The BYU loss would be, you know, maddening just because of how you lost. But, you know, when the fact they backed it up and beat USC last right. night, it, it doesn't make you feel as bad. You're right, the bad taste in your mouth. I'm sitting here at one and two, you know. I mean, nobody's giving them a shot Saturday. I mean, and I understand why. I mean, as you said, five times since, uh, you know, since Tennessee, six total if you count 92. Yeah. Here's the rub. Here's the rub on the whole Georgia State thing. They just weren't ready to play. 
emotionally, physically. How about, again, how, but, if that was yesterday's game, which yeah. was sandwiched between BYU and hey, the Gators. You preach it to the choir, man. I get it. You but the, the season opening game? I mean, that was the first game you've been building for and that that's, for six months. And that's that's players, that's leaders, that's coaches. They just were not. They just showed up like it was a scrimmage. They're going to roll the ball out. And, and that win. may come back to cost them a chance to go to a bowl. To, to even have a chance in November yeah. to go to a bowl. But here's what I was, was going to finish my thought. The East is so average to below average outside of Georgia that, that Tennessee. They if, still have a shot. If they can get if better can and get improve in areas right. and, and sort of figure it out in the offensive line, be a little, you know, and, and not have some of the crippling mistakes that cost them in the BYU game and the Georgia State game on yeah. defense, they can sort of move on, move on from those things. They've got some chances. I was in Columbia yesterday for the South Carolina-Alabama game. Now, I believe the Gamecocks found a quarterback. Ryan Haliski can throw the football. But it's still a team that's going to face so many good teams. How, how, where are they at mentally when they play their the schedule? Balls? I was just going to say, South Carolina's schedule and Auburn's schedule are both just brutal. All right. Let's, let's, go, let's, let's, let's play uh, Chris, the head coach here. Um, Actually, this is segment three. Let's do it as the marathon question of the week. Your favorite part of the show each and every week. You mean I'll, I'll read it for you, and then you can ask. Right, How about ahead. that? Because you're you're. This is. I know you lie awake at night thinking about the marathon question of the week. Want to go get a full tank of Freedom AP? Stop by your neighborhood marathon station. Marathon fueling the American spirit. All right, put your head, put your headball coach hat on there, Chris Lowe. Okay. If you're Jeremy Pruitt, do you play Bryce Thompson this week? He returned to practice last week, did not dress against uh, against Chattanooga on Saturday. Do you prepare him to play Saturday in your first SEC game of the year when you probably need him in the secondary against, as Pat Dooley admitted, a team that doesn't run it real well and they're going to want to throw it first? Well, here, I'll, I'll very simply... If the university's cleared the kid to return to the team, which clearly they have, or he wouldn't be out there he's practicing. Returned, he's returned to practice, and he's, and, and he's always been going to class. Okay. They deemed him not to be a threat to right. so he, shoot up the school. He's, he's remained in school. He's been cleared to practice. Now, is there something else there that we don't know that he has? There's, there's a, a game or two suspension. I don't know. Okay. I, I'll say this. I would bet the farm he plays coming out of the bye week against Georgia. Yeah. The question is, does he play this week before the bye well, week? If he's eligible to play. Put it this: If he's eligible to play, the university says he can play. Why not play? I agree. I mean, you you likely take a small PR hit, but I mean, you're going to do that whether whenever you, he plays. Yeah, you've already done that when you brought him back and let him start practicing, and and it was a small blip on the radar. You know, I mean, like there's a few people upset, and you know, but I mean, like th- that's going to happen. And it's I always going to be a small portion upset. There's I get be, that. If you didn't let him play and you kicked him out of school, there'd be a, there'd be a a portion upset about that. And that's why in these matters, you always have to let turn it over to the university, let the, the people that are trained in these matters make the decision, investigate. It, it, because I don't care whether you're Tennessee, Ohio State, Alabama, when you have a vested, a vested interest in a kid playing that makes your team better, you're, you're always going to look at these matters differently. Most people are anyway. So if Tennessee has decided... Which, as you said, he's still in school. He's been returned to, to practice, allowed to turn to practice. Um, yeah, some people are going to be upset with it. And I get it. When you read some of the reports, you know, that are out there, some of the things he said, there should be concern. But that's why you investigate, you talk to people, and they have decided he can come back on the, on the team and practice 
if that's the case, then whenever he plays, there's going to be some backlash. So if, if it's this week, if it's in two weeks, whenever. I, to me, and this is not has nothing to do with Bryce Thompson, but to me, I want to see Tennessee in a tough environment when nobody, as you say, gives them a chance to win. I'll say this, how, how they compete. I want to see them from the get set, from the get-go, from the outset, how they come out and compete. If they get hit in the mouth, if they, if they play poorly early, are they in it for all four quarters? The f- Is it just me, or for the last, like, seven or eight years, has the Tennessee football program not been better away from Neyland Stadium? Now, now, I'm not saying win-loss record has been better, but as far as being competitive, they, when, they've, when they've taken it on the chin and got shellacked, in most of those instances, Georgia losing 41 nothing at home, Alabama multiple times. I mean, they've taken it on the Florida. They've taken it on the chin at Neyland. They've been competitive on the road. So, you know, again, noon game, kind of come in there flying under the radar. Everybody thinks, you know, Florida's just going to hand it to you, 14-point spread, all that. Maybe it plays into Tennessee's favor because you're right, besides LSU and Alabama and Georgia and then maybe Auburn a little bit, but I, I still think that the young quarter, well, and the young quarterback hurts them. I mean, I know he made a couple of throws there late in the game against Oregon, and that was such an overreaction in my mind. Yeah, but he's talented. He's going to get better. So but we'll he's still see, a freshman. We'll see later in the year when where he, he is. Pl- when he plays LSU and Alabama, he'll what make, kind of plays does he make? He'll make some, he'll make some plays. When he plays that, Georgia, that what kind of plays back. does he make? But I'd, re- I'd much rather have a kid like that who's got the skill set and than I would someone that's just trying to manage just trying to manage it as a true freshman. No, I understand. But my point is, though, that's why I, don't, I take, I take, make them a little lower on the, on the rung. Well, I, I the do, yeah, and I do because of the schedule. You know, but the point is, is Florida, whether they're 14-point favorite or not, this, you know, and I know the, the history, this is, this is at least a game that Tennessee could potentially go steal. Like, they're not going to steal Florida. They're not going to steal Georgia. They're going to win the Mississippi State games, the South Carolina games. Those guys, if they're going to have any shot going into those last couple of weeks like they did a year ago when they set it five wins with two to go and then failed to win game six against Missouri and Vanderbilt, then they've got to win the games that are at least gettable. And while this one may be a little bit less gettable than like Mississippi State or South Carolina, you still potentially, with the right game plan, win the turnover battle, noon game, could be in the game in the fourth quarter. That's AP, Austin Price, breaking it down as only he could. Speaking of gettable, sort of like you on all par fives. They're no. all gettable. Second They're shot. not. Not. I've seen you hit the ball up the fairway. Hey, let's go ahead and take our final break here on The Nation. He's Austin Price. I'm Chris Lowe. We'll be back here at the Texas Roadhouse in just a couple minutes. Okay, fans, this season, enjoy the refreshing taste of Coors Light at Dos Equis. Coors Light is the world's most refreshing beer. It's made to chill, and Dos Equis is the official beer sponsor of the college football playoff. Both these great brands distributed across the Volunteer State by Cherokee Distributing. Celebrate responsibly, and 21 means 21. Hey, Tennessee fans, there's a new player in town. Your favorite Blue Bunny ice cream is now available in Neyland Stadium and at Thompson Bowling Arena. It's time to sack your sweet tooth with Blue Bunny. Made in the ice cream capital of the world, Blue Bunny offers more than 500 varieties of ice cream and novelties. Look for your favorite Blue Bunny products at participating retailers across the state or at concession stands inside Neyland Stadium and Thompson Bowling Arena. Sack your sweet tooth with Blue Bunny. There's something 
there for you and me And the American road is calling So what's it gonna be? When Chrissy Ray and Chuck Tunkin founded Mortgage Investors Group in 1989, the idea was simple. Help people realize the American dream. 29 years and 115,000 clients later, Mortgage Investors Group is the number one lender in Tennessee. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to do your mortgage, but it does take a promise. At MIG, it is their joy to keep promises. Go to MIGonline.com and let them get started on your American dream today. MIG is an equal housing lender. Mortgage license 109111. The world's most refreshing beer is now available at College Football's Best Stadium. This season, enjoy Rocky Mountain Cold Coors Light on Rocky Top, now inside Neyland Stadium. So when the action on Shields Watkins Field heats up, Coors Light is there to cool things down because it's made to chill. This fall at Neyland Stadium, grab the beer that supports the balls. Ice-cold Coors Light. Celebrate responsibly. 21 means 21. Distributed across Big Orange Country by Cherokee Distributing. Proud sponsor of UT Athletics. This is The Nation, presented by Mortgage Investors Group and hosted on location by Texas Roadhouse. Now, back to Chris and Austin. All right, final segment of the show tonight, The Nation. Chris Lowe and Austin Price, thanks to Pat Dooley and the Gainesville Sun, spending some time with us in the second segment, breaking down this game on Saturday. The Gators and the Vols at high noon in the swamp. AP? What do you got? You got you got them you got them hanging in there. That you got them losing by more than fourteen. What do you got? When's the last time your colleague Brent Hubbs has picked Tennessee in this game? Uh, he did a couple of years ago, um, based off of you know uh, the fact that Florida was kind of just not very good. Was it, and he is, went is it against, the year the Tennessee beat him? He went Aaron against Knoxville? the whole see it to believe it thing. I've heard that from Brent a few times. Um, he had to see it before they ever pick him again in this game. Yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, he saw it a couple of years ago, but no, no it's been a while uh, in reality. Um, so, again, do you got the balls losing by more than 14? You got them hanging around the chicken coop into the second half? What do you got? Well, no, I, I think that this is a uh, – I don't think Tennessee's going to win. I just think Florida's too good on defense, and I think they give Tennessee a lot of trouble, force some turnovers. Um, that's that's what for, Florida's strength is – Coming after you, Todd Grantham, you know, he's never going to sit back. He's going to dial up pressure. He's going to come from different angles. Sure. Um, try to make Garantano uncomfortable, exploit Tennessee's. Tennessee's still trying to get it right in their offensive line. You talked about that earlier, combinations. Very young, and this will be, let's face it, those kids, all those young kids that are playing, this is the kind of environment they haven't experienced before. Up front to go there and, and, and yeah, it's not a night game, it's not, but it's still the swamp. You know, the first SEC game on the road. Uh, I think that's where Tennessee struggles the most. Now, can Tennessee, in turn, exploit? You know, because I, I don't know. As Pat pointed out, I don't know how good we'll see if C.J. Henderson plays. You know, where they are in the secondary, but uh, in Florida's offensive line. That's why, you know, with Jeremy and Derek Anzi, you know their game plan, AP, is going to be to come after Trask. Sure. 
I mean, take some chances, roll whatever whatever cliche you want to use, roll the dice and see if they can get him really off kilter early, get him out of rhythm early, force some turnovers, set your set your offense up with some short fields, and not have to play behind. Tennessee's if if, if we're sitting there with nine minutes to go in the second quarter. And Tennessee's already having to play from behind by 10 points. It's over. And it's going to be a fun day for the Big Orange. I agree with that. I think Tennessee's got to get off to the quick start, which means, you know, do what you did a couple years ago when you played down there and you should have won the football game. Throw some trickeration at them. You know, throw throw the kitchen sink at them. And, uh, you know, as, as Pat said, throw, throw the pressure at, you know, at that Florida offensive line that's not been very good. Um, you know, just do some different stuff. And, I mean, I know Jeremy's going to dial up the pressure. But I mean, like offensively, to me, they've got to right. they've got to run something that that catches Florida off guard. Whether that's trick play, whether that's just a you know a wheel route, something that that they've not shown to this point, um, and, and see if they can get a, a man running wide open. Because you're right, you know that and the combination of get the ball out of Garantano's hands fast, you know, because you don't want him sitting back there having to think about a whole lot of stuff, in my opinion. Hey, fans, for the best selection of Big Orange merchandise, touchdown at Hound Dogs in West Knoxville, locally owned and operated. Hound Dogs is your one-stop shop for all things Big Orange. To find out more, text HD Radio to 64600. That's HD Radio to 64600. When it's time to get geared up for game day, just think Hound Dogs. So when you look around the country, does it, does it seem to you, AP, that there's – we talked about the SEC being top-heavy, that there's really only about three to five teams that have any chance to win the national championship. Yeah, we knew that before the season started. But, I mean, it, it, three weeks into the season, it looks even more glaring. Because you, you because everybody in their mind, while they thought there was this amount of teams, they thought, well, in years past, there's always a team that kind of emerges, yeah. you know, comes out of nowhere. And there still could be. I mean, I, you know, is it TCU or Oklahoma State potentially in the Big 12? I, I don't know. But if one of those teams, Oklahoma State plays Texas this week. Nobody's coming out of the Big 12. Oklahoma? You're yes. talking about over and above Oklahoma. Yes. Gotcha. And, no, and certainly not in the Pac-12. Nobody in the Pac-12. Although the Pirate. They're, don't, don't count the Pirate. Mike okay. Leachy. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they were a struggle bus the other night until they pulled it out. Um, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> they're still fun to watch play. They are. I understand. Um, you know. I, I just think this is going to be a perfect year for the SEC to get two teams again. I mean, like. When I would agree. In fact, I, I will say this. If Georgia wins the rest of the way, it wins because they got Notre Dame this week, and especially if Notre Dame goes on and has a big year and finishes like, you know, 11-1 or 10-2. But certainly if that's the only game Notre and Dame loses. And Georgia handles them. Even if they just beat them. And Notre Dame's sitting there at 11-1. And Georgia wins the rest of its games and then loses a close game to Alabama. In the championship game, sort of similar to last year, I think Georgia is a lot to get in this year. I think Georgia would get in, Alabama would get in, Clemson would get in, uh, and then we would sort of see what happens in the Big 12 and the Big 10. That would mean one of those two champions would probably get right, left let me, out. Let me throw this scenario at you. you ready? All right. You ready? You're, tr- you're trying to figure you out where to get three SEC teams. No, no, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to ask your opinion here. Georgia does what you just said. They lose in the SEC championship game, but they don't lose to Alabama. They lose to LSU. Alabama's lone loss is to LSU, and then LSU wins against Georgia. Georgia's got one loss. Bama's got one loss. And that's Georgia's only loss. 
Okay, LSU, LSU's in. LSU's in. Who do you pick? Who Bam, do you take? Bama or Georgia? Bama or Georgia. Georgia because they got there. But they didn't have anybody in the East they played. Bama did because they played Auburn. Now, I know Georgia does too, but they played A&M. So Georgia's only lost they would be LSU. Who? Georgia's only lost. You're, you're saying that Georgia's only loss would be to in the championship game? Yes. So they'd have a win over Notre Dame in that scenario, yes. correct? Uh huh. Well, in that scenario, they would have a better they would have a better win, I guess, than Alabama, right? Yeah, I guess so because I mean, Georgia would have beaten Auburn, so would have Alabama. Um, Alabama would have lost LSU, but beaten Texas A and M. I don't know. I tell you what, I know one, I know one thing. The rest of the country. It's would, a plausible there'd be, scenario. There'd be a lot of gnashing of teeth around the rest of the country. As long as as long as Joe Burrow is playing the way he's playing, it's I love a that plausible kid. scenario. I love watching him play. I mean, he's gotten better. They're letting him play one thing, but he is a tough, tough customer. And you you you've been around football enough to know AP. When the rest of the team thinks your quarterback's the toughest kid on the team, that's a pretty good dynamic to have. No doubt. All right. Thanks to Pat Dooley for the Gainesville Sun for tonight. Thanks to our main man ap thanks to all the great folks here at texas roadhouse we'll see you next sunday night right here on the nation so long everybody you've been listening to the nation with chris lowe of espn.com and austin price of rivals and ballquest.com Presented by Mortgage Investors Group and hosted by Texas Roadhouse. Sponsored by Mortgage Investors Group. Celebrating 30 years and the number one lender in the state of Tennessee. Learn more at MIGonline.com. By Texas Roadhouse. Your home for legendary food and legendary service. 12 area East Tennessee restaurants. By Marathon. Discover how a full tank of freedom from Marathon will take you wherever you go. Marathon. Fueling the American spirit. By Tennessee. Tennessee LASIK Associates, proud supporter of the Tennessee Volunteers. See the difference with Tennessee LASIK by Blue Bunny Ice Cream, available in Neyland Stadium and Thompson Bowling Arena, and by Dos Equis, the official beer sponsor of the college football playoff. Keep it interessante and please enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Distributed across the volunteer state by Cherokee Distributing. The nation is also brought to you by... Join us again next Sunday across the Volunteer State for more news on...